Okay. I am focused. I am like a leaf on the wind. Hi, folks, and welcome to the 7th Chevron Simply Syndicated Stargate SG-1 podcast. I am Rick. And I'm Ro. And this time we are talking about the Knox. And uh, not to jump too far ahead, but uh, we both love this episode. Um, I think it's actually, it's like rated like 8.2 on IMDb. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find that page, but it's not giving me the information I need, but it's a, it's one of the higher rated episodes and actually one of the favorites, uh, from what I understand of the series, not just season one, but the entire series in general. I think if you talk to anyone that is a fan of Stargate and you mention the Knox, they'll, they'll just nod and smile. (laughs) This is, now this was one episode that, uh, that, I don't want to say they directly ripped off Star Trek because it's a fairly common theme, I think, in science fiction. But mm-hmm. it's one of the ones that comes very close to an original Star Trek series, uh, Star Trek, an original series Star Trek episode uh, called "Errand of Mercy," mm-hmm. where the Enterprise crew beams down to a planet of primitives, thinking they're going to protect them from the encroaching Klingons, and uh, they find out they're not quite so helpless as they thought they were. I know this is actually this is a fairly common type of a storyline. I know other shows have done it. I just can't recall it. And um, yeah, just I and if anything, I I would say that we're gonna be comparing a lot of Stargate to Star Trek. Probably more than likely the uh, next the next generation. But yeah, there's gonna be a lot of Star Trek Star Stargate comparison. So it's just just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just some episodes are more directly similar than others, and this this is one of them. Now, I do have to make a bit of a correction, uh, as in last week's show, where you uh, you very correctly pointed out to me that I was wrong about uh, about O'Neill's wife showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, I said as we were anticipating the knocks for this week, I said that there were two very cool guest stars on this one, and I was I, I for some reason I thought Carol Kane. Was the 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 female Knox uh, Laya? Laya. Uh, and then as soon as she showed up on screen, I realized I was very wrong about that as well. So, <laughs> uh, but we do have the amazing Armin Shimmerman uh, in this episode as Antaeus. Uh, and those of you who may not know him by name know him probably best as Quark from Deep Space Nine, uh, or as the principal uh, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer before he got eaten by a giant snake. Oh, spoilers. Spoilers, sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. But no, yeah, I was like, when I first saw him, I was he looked so familiar. And when I looked him up on IMDb, I'm like, that makes so much sense. Quark. <laughs> oh, but yeah, very, the facial features are very prominent and definitely can tell. But yeah. And and again, he's he's one of those actors who can do so much with so little. You know, his just tiny very subtle facial gestures and and uh you know very low key performance and yet so powerful it's just amazing indeed so we start off the episode in the gate room with the gate opening you know uh being dialed in and and then we have uh oh you know I should know his name by now the sergeant who does all the dialing uh, I think this is really the first time we see him talking into the microphone as they're dialing the gate and you know this this Chevron locked, the Chevron locked, and then finally, yeah, Chevron. he he's not that important unless he actually dies. I'm not gonna lie. So, <laughs> but... 
Uh, but he'll be there for the rest of the series. He um, and uh, well, he gets a name. I don't remember it, and it's not really necessary to look it up right now. Um, well, you know what? Let's let's do that <laughs> just so nobody complains. Okay, um, Secretary of Defense David Swift, Major General Hammond. Oh, you. I'm looking it up right now, but mostly it's. Sergeant Walter Harriman. That's him, Walter. Okay. Walt Walter. He yeah. Um, he's our he's our gate dialer. And uh, <laughs> they are they are opening up the gate to show off for a visiting dignitary, a secretary, an unnamed secretary. I guess he gets a name in the IMDb, but uh, they never call him by name as anything other than Mister Secretary. secretary. Uh, although Jack pretty much calls him an asshole with every line he says. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good old O'Neill Snark. <laughs> Um, so they open up the Stargate and he's, and this guy's looking at it and he asks what he's looking at and Sam comes up and tells him it's the, uh, the, the event horizon of a stable wormhole, which of course he has no idea what he, what she just said. And (laughs) Jack gives that sort of knowing nod. Um, uh, but then it turns out that his whole purpose for being there is to find out just what the hell they're doing and why haven't they brought back all kinds of really cool weapons yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the administration, who we've been touting so much, uh, is not pleased with the apparent lack of progress as far as finding cool shit to blow up government yeah. with. He, he, however, he does have a good point when he pointed out the fact that, you know, what would happen if Apophis and the Gold came down in ships and started attacking, you know, started attacking the Earth? They obviously wouldn't be fully prepared for that. Yeah. Nor would they possibly have the technology or capabilities to fight them off. So he does prove a good point. However, um, O'Neill was like, no, not O'Neill, but Jackson was like, I thought we were on exploration. This is exploration type type of mission, and obviously it's not. And it makes sense because you know most military endeavors they want to gain from it. While it's not necessarily the best thing, it it just makes sense for. Well, as the secretary points out, and this guy is the least dickish of the secretaries and dignitaries we'll see uh, in the future, uh, he says even Marco Polo came back with a bit more than just some exotic spices. Uh, and Jack pointed out that it's been his experience, uh, you know, with a nod and a wink saying both here on Earth and out there, that civilizations with uh, big, you know, with great technology uh don't like really to don't tend to want to share it, yeah. yeah. Um, so he kind of was like, the, the secretary was kind of like, well, you know, we're spending a lot of money on this and you're not really giving us anything. And then Teal just kind of goes, well, what do you want? <laughs> and the secretary <laughs> goes, what do you got? And Tilk says he knows of a, a beastie on a planet that can make itself invisible. And the he, he was sent by Apophis to get one. Uh, and a couple of his men were killed because he didn't get one. And so they're like, oh, invisible, we could use that, yeah. go. Yes, yeah, like, hey, it's a mission. I was like, sounds like a mission. Mm-hmm. So they, And then they basically go off to this planet, and isn't most of the filming, wasn't it done in Canada? I, for, I forget. I think this show was one of the ones that was, was shot mostly in Canada, yeah. Yeah. It basically landed. It was for being someone in the Pacific Northwest. Everything looks the same. I'm like, are they in Washington? Are they in Canada? Looks like it looks like my like not necessarily my backyard, but I don't have a backyard. But it looks very Pacific Northwest. But they are on a different planet, 
and O'Neill is um do you see the the sidecar there I don't I forget the name of it and then it wasn't a melp it was a, it was some sort of transport mm-hmm. um, we see a melp at the beginning uh but what what it is just a you know a, it's a mule it's just yeah, a, it's a, and and apparently uh O'Neill was calling out for everyone cuz he didn't see anyone and apparently they already found the invisible uh being a monster or some sort of be- flying flying animal so then basic then what happens is they go they go after it right well o'neill comes through the gate and he doesn't see the rest of the team and so he racks his weapon and he's calling out for them and they're behind the gate and they said we we thought we thought we saw something and he's like oh we we found it already and teal gives him a you know says you know, watch out for it it's pretty dangerous, but it's most vulnerable when it's hovering. And Jack's got a tranquilizer gun. Mm-hmm. And Jack's is like like a hummingbird. And Teal goes, yeah, with teeth. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Jack sort of scans around and he turns around and we're, 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 we've got a close-up of him. And he stops and he goes, uh, guys, where's the Stargate? And they turn around and it's gone. Yes. Credits. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Like, yeah, it basically just disappeared, and we don't know what happened to it. So then, what happens next? They chase, they go after the invisible animal, correct? Well, they come back. We when we come back from the credits, Jackie's like, "Well, when you were here here before, Teal, did this oh, happen?" Uh, you know, and Teal, he didn't say it did, but he said even if it had happened, we had a, a homing device that would have a, a Gwawold homing device that would have brought us back to the gate, no matter where it was. And Daniel says, well, don't we have one? And they're like, yeah, it's with the gear that's with the gate that's gone. <laughs> yeah. um, so they go wandering around. They they split up into two teams, uh, Teal'c and Sam and Daniel and Jack go looking for the gate. Uh, looking for the gate slash looking for the beastie at the same time. Um, Daniel and Jack see... A blur in the sky and decide that's the that's the beast the thing they're looking for and so jack takes a bead on it with his his tranquilizer gun and just as as he's about to fire a staff weapon bolt shoots up from just over the 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 tree line and the thing flies away and jack gets on the on the radio and says teal what the fuck (laughs) pretty much and teal's like i didn't do it (laughs) (laughs) and that's when they discover that Apophis and three other Jaffa are already there. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. And then like, Daniel goes all Rambo. <laughs> He's like... Yeah, I noticed that too. Because, <laughs> like, basically, um, they all they, they mentioned that all they mostly have is tranquilizer weapons. They really don't have enough to, to battle, but Jackson's like, we need to go after them. We need to either capture them so, because of... The first thing obviously that came to his mind was his wife Share and also Scara. So he was basically trying to he was he he pretty much argued the fact that we need to capture them. Yeah, and and Jack was it wasn't too hard to sell him on the idea. Sam's like, "Are you insane?" <laughs> <laughs> and and Teal'c is just waiting for the word. And finally, Jack says, "Do you think?" Jack asks him how many you know what what kind of entourage would he have. And Tilk tells him it's going to be two or three Jaffa, which we we find out it's only three. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jack says, well, do you think we can take him? And Tilk figures, yeah, they've got the element of surprise. As long, if they can take out the Jaffa quickly, then 
Apophis will be a sitting duck. So Sam is reluctantly brought into the plan. She says, well, we better plan the shit out of this. It, it was still poorly devised. <laughs> it, yeah. was a, it was a bad plan. Very bad. I mean, they tried to uh, basically have the higher ground when they were going into this little, this, I guess, what would you call that in the, in it's the like forest? A, 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 well, it was kind of like a valley. It's mm-hmm. just a, a, a path that there was a hill on either side. Not mm-hmm. not a very defensible position, but then, like I've said before, the arrogance of the Gwauld is something we will encounter over and over again. That, that you know, defensive position doesn't mean anything to them because, one, they consider themselves gods even though they know full well they aren't, uh, and two, they don't figure anyone else has the has the the stones to stand up to them. So why worry about being in an indefensible position when you're on an uninhabited planet searching for you know an invisible dragon thing? Um, now, I do have to say that the writer of this, Hart Hansen, um, I really like the writing in this for the most part, uh, and the direction by Charles Correll, but I don't think either of them are very good at strategy. No. Because we've got this scene, and then later on well, is, is another scene that I'll, I'll talk about when we get to it. I don't, don't want to jump ahead too much, but... Let's just say that nobody in charge of this episode were all that were were, were stunning tacticians. <laughs> no. Um, so what we get is they set up this ambush, and I, somehow just you know Tilt could shoot the eye out of a mosquito from a thousand yards, but this time with all the time in the world to aim and and you know relatively. St- uh, stationary target he misses they're all horrible shots no one <laughs> i don't think they I, I they only want they actually only get one of the jaffa however i did you notice this like during the fighting um there were three jaffa with apophis right mm-hmm. and then after was it tilt that killed shekel uh yes because it was a, it was a staff weapon shot yeah and then i we didn't what happened to the two other Jaffa? They completely disappeared at the end of the fight. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was like, where'd they go? And the Nox did... Okay, well, this is going to be later. We'll talk about this later. But yeah, so that's just one of the things I wanted to point out. So yeah, that there, really... there's, a, there's a lot of shooting, a lot of blowing up of trees and rocks. And then, yeah, the, the Teal gets one of the Jaffa. And then Jack gets... He gets behind Apophis, steps out... Raises the tranquilizer gun. Apophis just sort of looks at him and pushes a button on his wrist, and this shield comes up, which nobody knew he had. And the tranquilizer dart bounces off of it, and then Apophis tells one of his Jaffa to throw him his staff weapon, and he grabs it and he shoots Jack, kills Jack. And then very quickly, he kills Daniel and Sam uh, in short order. Yeah, Carter was like, no! It was very dramatic. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, when, you were, when you're watching it, I'm like, this can't be happening. They're not dying. They're not dying. I'm like, yeah, it's too early in the episode. Like, you know, obviously they're going to come back, but it was interesting to see that they actually killed them. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we've got, uh, we've got Teal'c comes out, and he sees the shield. And Apophis has the the, uh, the the staff weapon trained on Teal'c. And then we get this moment. This is the first time Jif- uh, Apophis and Teal'c have faced off since Teal'c defected. And you see recognition because Teal'c was Apophis's first prime. 
He wasn't just any Jaffa. He was Apophis' right-hand man. So Apophis sees Teal'c, and he says, uh, he says, uh, Teal'c Sholva. Now, Sholva is a word we will hear a lot in, in the future, or henceforth. It's Jaffa or Gwauld for traitor. Ah. Uh, and he aims the staff weapon at Teal'c, and Teal'c just stands there, and he, and he says, Tal Shakamel, I die free. And just as Apophis fires, Teal'c disappears. Along and then, with all the bodies. Yeah, and then we hear like, boom, 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 and Apophis looks around and everybody's gone. And uh, and he's, you know, what like, happened? Like, <laughs> what? Like, what? Yeah, he couldn't believe it. And then points, then cuts off, and then it comes back to uh, Jackson waking mm-hmm. up. With a hole in his clothes. Yeah, and every, every, every well, he wakes up and he's looking around and he's he's in some sort of hut or cave or something, uh, and he you know, he realizes what happened. Uh, he's fully aware of what happened. He and he goes and he finds Sam and she's got a hole in her in, in her shirt where she got shot and he's like pawing at her tummy. <laughs> <laughs> and she wakes up. She's like, dude. <laughs> Yeah, like, come on. And uh, and she's like, wait, weren't we just dead? And uh, he's like, yeah. And then they find Jack, and he's got a hole in his in the back yeah. of his shirt. Uh, and he's completely healed, too. And they all wake up, and, and they're very puzzled. And uh, a, a girl comes in with very weird grass for hair. Yeah, it's like straw. Yeah. It's straw. Oh, I be- How I explain this to people... Hair straw-like, teased out, with various flora and feathers sticking out, and the front is like moss. Yeah. That if, is their hair. If you've seen the Hobbit movies, think Radagast, just with less bird shit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> <laughs> and no birds in the in the, in the the hair either. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're trying to talk to her and ask, where's Teal'c? And she just sort of stares at them, and and finally she just sort of motions, come on. Wait, uh, Nefreyu comes in, too. Does he? No. No, Nefreyu doesn't know. No, Nefreyu appears after. That's later. She appears like, come. She basically gestures. Oh, it's the old man that comes in with her. That's right. Oh, yeah. I keep getting those two mixed up for some reason. Um, Really? So, Ofer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. All of the names for these people with the... Well... The, the the girl's name is Laya, and the the old man's name is Oper, but we never hear those names in the show, so I I, I now know them. <laughs> but, For you do hear you do hear it once, really, maybe twice, yeah. Because later on, when um, Antaeus explains that Ofer is one of the elders. Oh, okay, I must have missed it then. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she she motions them to follow her, and they go out, and they go outside. They, should, they find out they were, they're in this sort of grass hut thing. And they're trying to figure out where they are, why they're alive, where is Teal'c. Uh, and they just lead them over to a, a table set out with all kinds of vegetables and stuff. And there's another dude who is Armin Shimmerman. Again, with they all have the crazy grass hair. Uh, and they sit down at a bench across from all of this stuff and he throws each one of them a tomato and he thinks it's really hilarious that he's throwing them these tomatoes and they're trying to talk to them and and they're they're not getting anywhere no and uh 
they're trying to explain, they're trying to talk to the Nox, and they are just looking at them with, like, the most, not necessarily vacant, but very just peaceful-looking expressions, just so calm and relaxed, just watching them. Mm-hmm. And Jackson and O'Neill are just talking to each other, trying to figure out um, who these people are. And I believe Jackson tried talking to them in the language of the Gua'uld. Yeah, he, he says a couple of words, and he, he's just not getting anywhere with anything. And then uh, Tilk shows up. No, minus the staff weapon, they realize all their weapons are gone. Mm-hmm. And Jack goes over to Tilk. He's like, you know anything? No. What, what's going on? No idea. Uh, <laughs> and then the little one, the little... I'm not sure, is the Freyu a boy or a girl? He looks boyish to me, but... Yeah, I... Um, let's see, do they say, uh, oh, Addison Ridge is the actor, so I guess, guess a boy. Yeah. Um, but he's pretty androgynous, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, as kids that age could, you know, tend to be. Um, anyway, he goes over to Sam, and he points to himself and says, Nefreyu. And she gets this big grin and points to herself and says, Carter. And he says, Carter. (laughs) Jack goes, (laughs) No, you can't keep him. <laughs> no, she like she had like the biggest smile on her face, like oh, he's so adorable. Like her, she cheesed so much when, when no, he basically because what Nefreyu did, he touched her on the shoulder and went Carter and kind of tilted his head like a puppy dog would, which is why um, O'Neill says no, you can't keep him, girls, <laughs> and it was it was pretty funny. Then we cut to Apophis being all growly and angry and and barking orders in Gowold and his men run off into the woods. Um, we get this close up of of Apophis with his wonderful mascara and stuff. Um, <laughs> then we go back to the Ewok village, and yeah. it's mush and leaf time. <laughs> uh, Antaeus, the the uh, we we know they're the Nox the. Are the uh, yeah, the SG folks don't know they're called the Knox yet, but yeah, we're not they're sure. the Knox. They're the Knox. Um, he's given them these leaf cones full of this kind of mushy goo to eat, um, and I guess they're asking more questions of them. And and actually, they actually start speaking English. The Knox back to SG one, right? Well, yeah. Daniel and Jack are, are kind of like we're not getting anywhere with these people. We need to know where where Apophis is. We need to know where the gate is, and finally. Uh, Antaeus Quark says, "We'll take you to the door, and y'all can get the fuck out." <laughs> yeah, we will take you to your. I will take you to your door, eh? And O'Neill's like, "Whoa, you understand?" And then Jackson's, "You understand what I'm saying?" And Antaeus is like, "It took time to learn your speech." And then Carter goes, "Not much time," which is actually very impressive and shows just how advanced the Nox are by just being around them and seeing them talk. They learn their speech within a matter of maybe. An hour or so after time has passed, we don't we don't get a specific time frame of what how much time has passed when they were hang when they've been with the Nox. So now that they can talk, they start treating the Nox like they're primitives, and they're like, "We good guys, them bad guys. We protect you. You show." And and the Nox are just looking at them like, "You guys are idiots." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and finally, they're like, "No, you just go. We we don't need you. We just go away." And they also uh, ask uh, ask them how they healed them, like especially with Jackson, and you know they basic they basically refuse and and they tell them that their weapons are gone and you know they SG one's 
tries to, t- to talk to them, saying that they're, they're trying to defend them against Apophis over and over again, and, and obviously there's frustration, um, mostly from the SG-1, but the Nox are, we're, Nox are just, we will take you to your gate. And they just seem to be totally relaxed and chill, not even worrying about anything. Well, then my, my favorite line, uh, you know, Daniel starts trying to go. You know, we want to learn from you. We want to, we want to get to know your secrets and your and your medicine and stuff. And they're like, no, we, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> uh, and I didn't write it down. Is it Daniel or Jack who says, don't do? Do you have like? Oh, they said, do you it have was, elders? And they go, it was, oh, it was is, is, a, is, a, is it old? <laughs> yeah. And he says, well, do you have, like, leaders that we could talk to? And Anteus just goes, they don't wish to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, they do not wish to be, like, yeah. And it was basically just saying, hey, yeah, you're not worthy. You are so not worthy of yeah. talking to the higher-ups. So SG-1 was treating them like primitives, but at the same time, the Nox were also treating them somewhat accordingly. Mm-hmm. It was very amusing to see. It, in in retrospect, it's one of those things that when you watch it the first time, you're you're on on the side of SG one because you're like they've got to protect these people. They they brought the the, the Gwalder here. You know these these children need need guarding. And then when you when you're watching it for the second time and you know what's going on, you're just kind of like giggling the whole way through. Mm, yeah, because um, they're trying to convince the Nox that the Gwalder now that they know about this planet and once they learn that there are people here they'll come to enslave them and they're like you know so we don't care Mm -hmm. um so finally they go all right well if you want us to go well they say they're going to take them to the gate later is it tealk tealk or or daniel says well if you want us to go why wait you know take us there now and laia says well your brother isn't ready to won't revive for a little while and, and they're like, they go, Ur? <laughs> yeah, Ur? <laughs> they're like brother, and they go into they. Laya then takes them into the hut, and they reveal that the other brother is Shackle, and plot the, thickens. It's the a other Jaffa, mm-hmm. the new Prime. Yeah, and Teal'c knows him, of course. Uh, they say, well, you know, he's he's a bad guy, and they go, well, he's like him, and they point to Teal'c, and you know, and this is we we saw this last week, and we see it, you know, we'll see it again. Well, he's a good Jaffa. That's yeah. a bad Jaffa. <laughs> and, Explaining like they were children. Yeah. And they said, well, can't you convince this guy to be like this guy? And they're like, no, that, that ain't going to work. Uh, but now they've got the problem of they can't just leave because they figure if they leave Shackle in the village, he's either going to kill everybody or he's going to get away and go tell Apophis where the village is. And... Uh, Tilk is like, well, even if we go, Apophis isn't going to let, you know, they're like, well, let's just take Shackle home to Earth. We'll question him. Not as good as Apophis, but, you know, better than nothing. Tilk's like, well, Apophis isn't just going to let us leave. Uh, so they're trying to figure out what to do. They decide, well, we're, we're going to have to go for it. And then they cut back to Apophis. He's, his men have come back and, and said they can't find anything. Oh, oh, and in the previous, oh, I, we, we forgot to mention, in the previous conversation... Uh, we find mm-hmm. out that Gwauld had been coming to hunt what they call the Fenrings. The Fenring, which, yeah. Which, which are the uh, the big flying invisible bird monsters uh, for centuries. So this is nothing new to the Nox, even though that seems to be lost on O'Neill and friends. Yeah, they just, they're like, oh, okay. 
they just didn't understand. But the Nox are they as they continue to be very chill and relaxed. Mm-hmm. So then we go back to Teal'c and Lyra, 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 Lyra are Lyra. are standing in front of uh, a shackle who is still unconscious, and she's trying to understand what the problem is. And why they bat? What then? They all because um, Silk also bounded Shackle in. Um, oh, that's yeah. She's like, why does arm. he have to be tied up so tightly? And he's like, when he wakes up, he's going to cause a lot of trouble. And she's like, you dumbass, he is awake. He's faking. Yeah. And she leaves. And then we have the you know, you're a traitor. And Teal'c's like, join us. The the gold aren't really gods. He's like, you lie. I'm not listening. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill you when I get a chance. That you know that went exactly nowhere. So we go outside, and Jack's making a bow and arrow, and Freyu is really into the bow and arrow. He's well, he's a child, and child are very curious. At the same time, how did O'Neill? He's he's a very skilled person for to be able to make a bow and arrow, bow and several arrows so fast and a lot arrow. of arrows. Yeah, <laughs> and they look pretty fancy. Yeah. Where do you get these feathers? Very very impressive. Yeah, and what did he make the the bowstring out of, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> And he shoots it into a, a tree, and the fray was like, hey, if you made this blunt, it would be great for knocking down fruit. And, uh, 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 uh sorry, folks, we just had a, a bit of a Skype glitch, so if we repeat ourselves at this point, I apologize. Uh, so he's saying, you know, we fight because we have to, and, and then the, the Fenring shows up, uh, you know, monster. And the fray runs away, and Jack shoots an arrow at it, which does absolutely nothing. Well, actually, it disappears. I believe doesn't Atreus make it disappear? Atreus. Uh, and ta- does he make it disappear? Or does it just fly away? It, it, it's a little, a yeah, little it's, iffy. Either yeah. way, but either way, the, the 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 arrow does nothing to the Fenring. And then it cuts to a different scene, if I recall. Yeah. Then uh, Daniel and uh, and Opa, o- o- Ofer, o- Ofer, uh, are wandering around. And they have. It, it, I love their conversation. Too. Yeah, this. Is, I was about to say this is like one of the best conversations. Um, Ofer is basically. He took a piece of his, his finger and like licked some. Took some sap from a tree and licked it. And it was like he offered it to Daniel. And Daniel was like, "No, I'm trying to like quit or cut back." And yeah. it was just it was so funny. But go ahead, continue. Um, so they're they're talking about just Daniel saying, "I want to learn your knowledge. We want to learn your 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 medicine. We want to be your friends. We want to learn from you." And Oprah is saying, you know, it, well, learning takes time. And uh, then he goes kind of all Yoda on him and gets real cryptic and starts talking in, in riddles and stuff. And the subject of age comes up. And I don't, does Daniel ask him how old he is? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah pretty much. They, they, in some way or another, they ask his age. Well, and then, uh, and, well, Oprah says, "How do you how do you mark time?" And Daniel, and and that, that this is one of the time. This is where we start seeing that that the, there's more to the Nox than we realize, because Daniel is trying to explain it like you would to a primitive, and then he goes, "Well, uh, we use days and years, and uh, you know, one year, one day is a rotation of our planet, and one year is an orbit of our planet around the sun. And there's 365 days in a year." And before he even finishes, Oprah goes, "Then I'm 422 years old." Yeah. And Daniel's just like, Arr! Yeah. That uh, was a lot of the reaction from SG-1. <laughs> Which makes sense because they thought they were dealing with primitives. Mm-hmm. Then we cut back to Jack 
and he's just sort of standing out in, a clear, in the clearing after the, the, the Fenring is flown away. And Cork appears out of nowhere. And he says, you will not teach your ways to Nefreyu. And that's when he explains that the Fenring have no natural cloaking ability. It's the Nox who hide the Fenring from people. And Jack's like, if the Gwauld find this out, they will come here and they will enslave you. And uh, and Teus is just like, no, they won't. Yeah, we're, like we are not worried about that. Yeah, we're, we are. We are the Nox are slaves to no one or something. Yeah, like we're that. slaves. Yeah, he says we're slaves to no one. And and Jack is just like pulling his hair out, trying. You know, why don't you understand? We are trying to help you here. Uh, but all Antaeus is worried about is Nefreyu getting these these bad ideas. What he, what he says, you 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 poison. Oh, he said you you tried to kill the Fenring. Why? Yeah, you- and Jack said, I was trying to protect the boy. And Antea says, you poison his mind and then you try to protect him. Yeah, you poison his mind to save his body, something like something that. Something like that, yeah. Then we cut back to Daniel and Oper. Uh, and Daniel asks him, how long have people been coming here to hunt the Fenring? And Oper says, as, as long as he can remember. So centuries, yeah, forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Daniel says, why didn't you bury the Stargate? You know... That it would that people come through it. Why don't you just bury it? And Oprah says, "But then they would know that somebody buried it." And, and then Dan- Dana goes, "Oh, that oh. makes sense. Oh, I've been enlightened. <laughs> like you see the light bulb going off in his head. Like <laughs> there, there's some uh, the all of the knocks give a magnificent performance. But that the, the scene between Daniel and Oprah there are is just it's one of my favorite bits of the whole show. Yeah. Um, then we get we get another SG one huddle. Uh, everybody. Tells what just happened, what they just saw. This, you know, this is bad. And Doc, uh, and O'Neill is like, yeah, it's basically them. The the Nox are the ones that cloak the Fenry, and they're the ones with the technology. And Carter's like, well, that 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 makes it even worse. Yeah. So then they decide, all right, we we've got to go. Uh, we'll take Shackle with us and uh, Quark, who beams in again. <laughs> Sorry, mm-hmm. Enteus. I got to stop calling him Quark. Uh, he, you know, he shows up again, and he says, "You can only, uh, only if he wants to go with you. They're not going to let them force. They're not going to let them take Shackle prisoner." Uh, then we cut back to Apophis again, and one of his Jaffa come up and says he can't find the Stargate, and you could see Apophis exercising great restraint in not killing that Jaffa. Mm-hmm. And then he says, "Fine, find me Teal'c." So we cut back to Teal'c and Shackle are talking. Uh, Shackle's like, nah, I'm, uh, I'm sticking with Apophis. And he starts yelling. And then, uh, Laia comes in, what are you doing to him? And in the, in the confusion, Shackle pops a knife out of his glove and stabs Teal'c and jumps up. And, uh, then... Basically, it, the, the scene cuts to where Laia is just kind of backing up away from him. And he just looks, he turns and looks at Laia with a very, uh... What's the word? A very a not nice look. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. And then we then we cut to Teal staggering out of the hut. He screams. He screams. O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Now here, okay. When I watched this the second time today, well, not today. Like I watched it again yesterday, and I watched it again today. They were in that hut, obviously. Uh, that was close to where they sit down around the fire and eat the fruit. You would think that they would hear Shackle scream. Yeah. Well, that's and, why Laia ran in. 
but why did the others hear him scream? That they were oh. they were pretty they were in close proximity. It looked it appeared to be at least. Um, but Teal comes out. He's bleeding, and then we see Shackle just sort of jump through the grass wall of the hut and run away. Uh, and then we go back, and Lya is down. Is down, or, or no? Quark comes out with her in his arms. No, we see her. We see her dead in the hut. Yeah, she is down in the and hut. Then, okay. And then Quark comes out. Um. So then everybody's sitting around and being depressed, and oh, this this sucks. And then we see uh, the the Knox, all four of them, with Lya laid out on a table. They're like sort of fading in and out of visibility. And then mm-hmm. we realize that the three guys are meditating or humming or doing some sort of magic over her. They're doing the life ritual. Yes, and she wakes up. Everybody, and she's all better. Uh, and they explain, you know, they were like, "You were visible while you were doing that." And, and Antaeus says, "We cannot hide ourselves when we're doing the life ritual." Uh, cut to Shackle running through the forest. Uh, then Nefreyu. We cut to Nefreyu talking to Jack. He said, or was it Jack or Daniel? I don't know, but I remember. No, it was Jack. It was Jack, because he says, "I want to see a gold." And Jack's like. No, that's a really bad idea. Now go home. Yeah. And, and the fray disappears. And uh, then we go once again to Shackle running through the forest, picking up the field mice. And yeah. Pop um, him on the head. <laughs> uh, then we cut to Teal'c and Jack, who are hunting for Shackle. Then mm-hmm. one of the Jaffa finds Shackle and brings him to Apophis. Uh, Jack and Teal'c see that happen. They're like, oh, shit. It's, the jig yeah. is up now. Yeah, they they know the truth. They found out. So they go back to Antaeus, and they like, Apophis knows. And uh, Antaeus is like, this doesn't change anything. GTFO, we're sick of you guys. Uh, wait a minute. Where's Nefreyu? Mm-hmm. Uh, then we cut to Nefreyu walking up to Apophis. And he basically goes, Nefreyu. Then Apophis just kind of walks up and says, Nefreyu. And then he basically uses his... Well, he then uses the hand charm thing that gives off some sort of what is it? Some sort of it basically kills, it kills the Yeah, the, the the hand weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we have Jack and Daniel and Antaeus looking for Nefreyu, and Jack says, "Well, Antaeus is like, this is your fault. You point, you know, you you did this." And Jack says, "I told him to go home." And then we get the line. Mm-hmm. Antaeus says, "The very young do not always do what they are told." Damn, is that not true? <laughs> it is so true. <laughs> uh, now, here's where we get to the next huge tactical blunder. Um, so they find Nefreyu for all, apparently dead on the ground. And Antaeus picks him up, shoots Jack a look that shoots daggers, uh, and carries him off. And Jack goes over to Sam, and, she, and he goes, does this feel like a trap to you? And she's like, yeah. Yeah. And then nothing happened. This <laughs> is like for a trap. It sure didn't trap anything. Well, it's because they were waiting to see the life ritual and then attack. Yeah, except Apophis doesn't know about the life ritual yet. So that whole thing doesn't... I, I thought about that the second time through. Mm-hmm. But none of the Jaffa have seen it or Apophis have seen the life ritual. So they don't know about that part. So yeah, I know that Shackle wasn't with them, but didn't they meet up somehow? Because wasn't Shackle with them when they, with Apophis and the two other Jaffa when they attacked him that last, and they attacked the the Nox or the the camp? They haven't attacked the camp yet. Okay, I know, but 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 what but what weren't they all there in that scene? So when that scene just is that's about to happen, aren't they all all aren't all four of them there? 
Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. It it doesn't really matter. It was just kind of one of those things like, this is a trap. Well, it's a pretty crappy trap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they take Atreyu back to the village. Nefreyu. Sorry, not, not Atreyu. Yeah, um, I was thinking Atreyu the whole time when he first said his name, of Nefreyu. I'm like... <laughs> Like Atreyu? Is that the, the never-ending story? Yes, that yeah. is the never-ending okay. story. Um, so they set up for the ritual, and of course, Jack is like, you can't do this! They're going to get you as soon as you start the ritual. And they're like, fuck off. Um, mm-hmm. Jack is saying, as soon as you start that ritual, Apophis is going to attack. And again, Quark is unfazed, and so Jack's like, well, screw this! We're not just going to stand around and watch you guys die. We're leaving. Leaving. And they they stomp off, and, and Jack's like, do you think they bought it? And Sam's like, I almost bought it. I'm like, I, I didn't buy it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, that's... Um, but then again, the Gawold, would, would, that's the way they think. So actually, I guess it kind of makes sense. But uh, So they're going to hide in the woods to set up an ambush for the incoming attack. Uh, and then Laia says to Antaeus... Should we, you know, maybe we could take him to the to the others? And Antea says it, it would take too long. So they're actually a little bit worried about trying to do this ritual now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see uh, Jack is tying one of the tranquilizer darts, which, why he had that, but none of the other weapons, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I think he just probably had a spare dart in his pocket or something that they, did, they didn't find more yeah. than like... That that only just now occurred to me. <laughs> so, okay. um, but he's he's tying a dart to a, to one of the arrows, and and everybody's like, well, what good's that going to do? You know, Apophis has that shield, and he says, well, when Apophis called to his Jaffa to throw him the staff weapon, it passed through the shield easily, and he speculates. Oh, we're getting a physics expl- explanation. I wrote this down. I'm like, oh, physics. <laughs> Well, it's also, uh, are, are you familiar with Dune at all? No. Uh, uh, in Dune, they have personal shields, kind of like what Apophis mm. wears. And they're designed to stop a fast projectile or an energy weapon, uh, but a slow-moving knife will pass through the shield. And that's what Jack supposes. He's, he, he says, you know, something moving slowly, like the staff weapon or an arrow, will go through the shield... And then Sam goes all techno Babylon and is like, "Oh, you think that the kinetic energy of the of the projectile is inversely proportional to how much the shield puts out?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, "Yeah." Well, then, then Jackson basically dumbs it down, saying something with slower in velocity would make it through. So he basically dumbed it down for those who are like, "Huh?" For any viewers that could that are not familiar with physics. But no, I really enjoyed that. I'm like, actually, in the beginning, they're talking about astrophysics and theoretical stuff with wormholes. Now they're talking about physics and kinetic energy. I'm like, we are learning here. It's also a learning episode, mm-hmm. in a way. But I thought it was fun. Oh, yeah. So then we have the the, the life ritual begins, and they're all and they're in the fate, you know. And then uh, Sam hides under a bush, and Daniel and Teal'c use the high-tech method of hiding behind trees. Uh, <laughs> Teal'c's got a big log, and Daniel, did he have anything? I, think he had a, I don't think so, but no. they mentioned that they uh, because they don't have any weapons, and there was also that shield that basically that that hand-to-hand combat is the best strategy, and 
Carter wasn't in the bush. They they buried her with like leaves and stuff. So she was on the ground, but they covered it up with like other parts of a bush. Yeah, I guess. But it was just it was it was very not um what's the word? Not high tech. Not high tech or really good camouflage. Yeah. So our our bad guys just troop through the woods and walk right past all the good guys, and then chaos ensues. Teal brains one with a with a stick. Sam knocks over one of the others. Uh, staff weapons are grabbed. Zap, bang, boom, pow. Lots of fighting. Finally, Jack gets the bead on Apophis, draws his bow, points it at him. Apophis just sort of goes, fool, I will kill you, and Jack goes, again? And lets go the arrow, and just as it's about to hit Apophis, he vanishes. Mm-hmm. But it does cut back to the scene. Oh, like, right, the, yeah. yeah, when they were they were firing the weapons, the Jaffa weapons, uh, it cut back to the life ritual that they were performing, and Laia and Ofer stopped for a second and put their hands down, and Antaeus was still concentrating and he like he reached his hands because the middle person has their hands like an X uh, like kind of cover that's how the, the, but then the other ones are like holding their wrists um, with their hand in the air and so then Antaeus basically grabbed their arms to have them continue the ritual yeah. even though like Laia and Ofer were a little bit distracted and were just like wondering like what are those loud banging noises mm-hmm. so that, but yeah they continue with the life ritual but then what happens with O'Neill trying to shoot Apophis, they disappear. And O'Neill's, no! And then we get this real long pullback from O'Neill as he's standing there and he's yelling up to the sky, they'll be back, they won't spare you! Then we cut to, I I guess maybe there was a commercial there originally or something. There's there's a few spots in these shows where you see they left room for commercials, even though at this point it's still on Showtime. Yeah, Um, that's, that's weird. I guess they were figuring syndication later. Yeah, they're going to need some some spots, yeah. Um, So we come back, and the whole SG team are climbing up over the ridge where they originally came through the Stargate. And they're like, this is where the gate should be. And then Antaeus appears and says, we've sent your enemies back through the the doorway. And and Jack is still not getting it. And he says... uh, and Taya says, when you guys are gone, we're going to bury the gate this time. And Jack says, it's not going to make a difference. They're going to come back in ships, and they're going to attack from space. And, and Taya says, like, it's, it's no big deal, really. And then the Freyu shows up, and he's all better. And finally, it's like, and Taya gets it. And he's like, you fear for us. And O'Neill's like, yes, we do. And, and Taya says, like, Why? And Teal'c says, it is, you know, it, it's our way that the strong defend the weak. And Antaeus goes, before you go, I want to show you something. And he waves his hand in the air. And everybody turns around and looks up, and this giant floating city appears. So cool. <laughs> and they're all like, dude. <laughs> yeah, they're just mesmerized, like, whoa. Like, straight up Keanu Reeves in the Matrix, Whoa. And they turn back to Antaeus, and he's like, someday you will learn that your way isn't the only the way. Only way. Yes. And then they disappear, and the city disappears, and the Stargate dials itself and opens up. And they're getting ready to go, and, and Sam is like, what just happened? <laughs> and, and Jack says, sometimes the very young do not always do what they're told. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Tilk says, because uh, this, this is actually in the wiki, 
Tilk says, it appears they possess a form of technology far greater than that of the gold. And Carter was, they look so helpless. And Jackson's, and now they're going to bury the Stargate and we could never come back. We should have listened. That's right. And then O'Neill's like, the, the, very, the very young do not always do what they're told. It's a little something that Knox told me one time. Mm-hmm. Something worth taking home. So, yes. So, yeah, we obviously have some obvious character development. All The whole team learns that not everything that they see is what they expect it to be. And just because people are primitive doesn't mean that they're somewhat, they're also advanced. So, if anything, they learned a lesson. But it also made me wonder, how are they going to come back, how are they going to go to Earth and try to report this back to a command? Because they're going to be like, well, they obviously had all this technology. How come you guys couldn't get it? <laughs> it just made me wonder about the repercussions. But still, this was one of the most solid episodes that it was just, I remember when I first watched it, I was just like, this is so cool, because it's it's, it's what I love about the series. It's world building. You're seeing more different types of races that they uh, from different planets that they're creating, and it's not your basic, it's not like the more primitive ones that they showed previously. It's actually one that's actually advanced and different, different enough to keep you just wanting more, and that's something I definitely... Enjoy. This is one of the reasons why I enjoy the series. So this is, I'd watch it. I watch it over and over again. Like if it was ever on TV, I sit down and watch it. I was just looking at the notes here, and it says, uh, and this might explain something about how things are are out of uh, out of date, or, or the dates are different in the DVDs and the mm-hmm. and the show and the the, the show order. Uh, it says unfortunately, production on the Knox was falling behind, and the episode was aired prematurely due to lack of time. And it says, as a result, Apophis' voiceover is missing. Huh. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But, uh, I, oh, hey, down, down here at the bottom, this episode has many elements in common with the original series Star Trek episode, Errand of Mercy. That's so funny. I thought you got that <laughs> off of this. I'm like, didn't you read the notes? I'm like, yeah, that's what the notes said oh, when no. you first talked about it. See, look at you. Look at you, you know, with your Star Trek, <laughs> Star Trek knowledge. No, but... Um, yeah, I like the I like how the notes say that like, you know this is uh, they've embarked already on 19 missions and things like that. But a um, little bit of spoiler, we are going to see a little bit of the Nox more in the future, which yep. is going to be fun. Not a lot, but just it's cool though that they do bring back you know previous worlds that they have already visited. Yeah, yeah. So. There's uh, unlike a lot of episodic TV from this time period. Although the the mid to, you know, the nineties is when TV changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, shows like Babylon Five and and uh, the X Files and stuff like that were starting to turn the tide from episodic to story arcs. Uh, even Deep Space Nine did more, you know, multi part episodes as it moved on in its in its uh, years, whatever. Um, and so, you know, we're we're seeing a transition from episodic television that hardly ever referenced anything that came before to shows like Stargate where it doesn't happen a lot but we will see the Knox again so yeah really good episode definitely one to watch uh, I think that you could if I were to if we were to start I don't want to say rating these episodes I don't want to start giving them number ratings or anything like that but if you were trying to get somebody into SG-1 and to watch the show I think this would be a really good episode to start with mm-hmm Absolutely, yeah, that would be really good because you see what they get to do. There's a little bit of battling. Well, it's not the best tactical battling. You see a new race, and 
you know, of course, they're they're peaceful, loving forest type people. So, you can How can you not like that? So, yeah. And they're, and they're the kind of like a combination of Yoda and Ewoks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I bet that I would bet there had to be because I know there were Stargate conventions back in the day, so there has to be Knox cosplays. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, that would be so fun okay. to see. But yeah. I'm already checking. I see other things. It's actually more related to Wakfu, which is a French um, animated series. But oh, is that what that I, is? Yeah. Those yeah. Aren't, those aren't, oh, but uh, I do see one like a, a a head a head thing for them. So that's yeah. It, it, there, there's still some stuff out there. So I think if someone would ever go to a Nox a Nox cosplay from Stargate, that would be very very awesome. I would be very very happy to see. Okay, if you actually Google Nox cosplay Stargate or Stargate Nox cosplays. There are tons and really good ones of Laia. There's a good time. I I will say she was pretty uh, the most underused character in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, there's a dude cosplaying Teal, unless that is Teal. Um, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I, you know, I, I I felt like she had the least amount to do in the show, which was kind of a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, she seemed to. To be very, she was, but from what we saw of her already, she she was already very well knowledge. You can see that she she knew that Shackle was already awake. She's like she he deceives you. He's already awake. Yeah. And just basically, yeah, it would have been nice to see more of her. She she's I mean they they all appeared to be timid, but she seemed to be a p- more timid than the other than the men than the men of the of the group. Yeah, but she might have been a lot younger than you know. It's hard to say how old mm-hmm. any of them are, you know. But yeah, uh, but yeah, love this show, love the Knox, love. Lo- there's there's nothing I didn't love about this episode, and watch. You know, sometimes going back to watch it a second time is a little bit of a chore. It was not at all with this one. No, it's not. Yeah, I could just want if I ever wanted to like have something on in the background to like either kill some time or. Just to do something, I'd, I'd probably put put this on. Like there'd be definitely in the rotation of best S- SG one episodes. And I know there's so many more, but this definitely this one stuck out to me the most so far. And I already finished season one. Yeah, well, like I like I said, you don't. There's no. I don't think there's anyone that uh, is a fan of SG one that doesn't. When you mention the Knox, go ah the Knox, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Mm-hmm. So, well, is there anything else? Uh, well, ne- we'll give a little teaser of next week. Oh, yeah. Uh, next week uh, is Brief Candle. Ah, yes. Yeah, we're... Uh, very, very appropriate title. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and, folks, we have an email address. It's uh, the 7th. That's the number 7th, chevron at gmail.com. If you'd like to email us, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you think of anything we've had to say. Yeah, we're on iTunes now. Woohoo! I, I, yeah, also com or go to SoundCloud Simply Syndicated. Feel free, check us out there. Yeah, or check out Simply Everything at simplysyndicated.com. Check out all of the wonderful shows that are there. Uh, if, if, if there's something you're a nerd about there's a show about it on start on uh, simply syndicated i'm very sure much so it's so hard to keep up with them all I'm not gonna lie yeah yeah but at least that's a good thing see we're in a time of age where we have way too much entertainment and media to consume for our lifetime so you basically have to pick and choose and that's that's awesome 
It, it's an embarrassment of riches, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly. And it's all free. Yeah. Uh, unless you do the, the Simply Everything subscription, and then it's a pittance every month, and then you can stream everything. Simply Syndicate is it ever done to your MP3 player, phone, computer, whatever. And yeah, also on iTunes, give us you know give us a rating. Let us know what oh, yeah. what you think. We'd appreciate that. That would be cool. If not, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's about it. And I guess we'll we'll see you guys next time. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>